It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. You can Google the teams or you can check us out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I've got all the helmets behind me. Hopefully a bunch of you guys check us out on YouTube. If not, please subscribe. You can also just check out the highlight clips from this show and the other shows, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Greg Cosell was awesome today, breaking down the NFC East draft picks. He also gave his thoughts on Mike Davis, Sony Michelle, James Bradbury. We'll get Joe's thoughts on Davis and Michelle momentarily. By Joe, I mean, of course, the great Joe Dolan from FantasyPoints.com, where you, by the way, should go and use the code 22FEAST because they are racking up the subscriptions for the 2023, nope, 2022 NFL season already. You can check out Joe on social at FG underscore Dolan. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker pod. As a reminder, if you want a signed press pass or football card or picture, just go ahead and find a way to sign up and follow my TikTok this week. I'm trying to become a TikTok star. All right. That's my new goal for my daughters at Ross Tucker NFL, follow my TikTok. Joe, um, are you on TikTok? Uh, from what, what people send me TikToks and I laugh at them, I probably should do a little bit more because it's kind of an untapped uh, thing in our industry. But literally, Ross, we, we just hired a social media person. Um, at fantasy points to handle stuff like that. So no, I, I, I appreciate the platform. I appreciate the talent that goes into it. You know, I, I sound like such an old, like talking about this, like not really knowing how to use it, but it is an untapped, um, uh, 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 I guess a market here for fantasy. So I probably should be, we've got a couple of younger guys on staff and associated with us who are really good at it though. So we had Jake Tribby on the, uh, the podcast. He's good at TikTok. So, uh, so uh, I, I'll, uh, I'll focus on my very few strengths and not try to add to another one. You guys are always hiring new people. It's unbelievable. Your growth is incredible. No, we're growing Ross, but nobody yet has asked me to autograph an eight by 10 glossy. I don't even think they eight by ten glossies <laughs> of me exist, quite frankly. So uh, I, I still have a long way to go, Ross. Uh, question for you: What is that hat? Right. Okay, so this is McLaren Formula One racing. So why why is Formula One so popular? I, we're going to get to fantasy football, I promise. Yeah. But I never heard anybody talk about Formula One like six months ago. Now everybody talks about it. on social media. I see people talking about Formula One all the time. Yeah, the the short answer, probably the long and short answer, is the Netflix series Drive to Survive. And I'm not I'm not in any way 
Um, I am not in any way t- criticizing people who got into Formula One via Drive to Survive on Netflix because I got into Formula One via Drive to Survive on Netflix. It's just it's a compelling show and it's an it's just the most audacious sport, Ross. Um, and it it, it it in many ways it fits the American I don't know kind of ethos and mindset. In what way? It's it's there's so much money in it. There's celebrities everywhere. I mean, if you looked at the paddock before the Miami GP this past yeah, but weekend, that's just recent. I'm saying it's like six months ago. Oh, I mean, it's audacious overseas too. There's dirty money in it. I mean, it's uh, like it is. It's it, it's just there's so much money, so much glitz, so much glamour. Um, there's drama. Um, uh, and it's, it, it really is a very American sport that just hasn't caught on in America in a big way until now. Now they're adding races everywhere. There only used to be one race in the United States. Now there are two and they're adding one in Las Vegas next year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's expanding. The, 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 the answer is drive to survive on Netflix, Ross. That's the answer. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and it's good. I mean, it's a really good television show, so you should watch it. But yes, this is McLaren. Auto racing. Shout out to Daniel Ricardo. Um, uh, I don't think if they, if Danny, if uh, if you play fantasy football, I'm your man. But I don't think he does, and nor do I think he listens to this. But he might surprise us, Ross. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know who surprised us? We're gonna get into the tight ends in uh, your dynasty rankings for the rookie tight ends after the draft. Last week we did your receivers. We did receivers last week, right? We did. Yes. Okay. I thought we did. But we didn't really talk about A.J. Brown or Hollywood Brown. No, we didn't. And Um, what it means for their new landing spots, what it means for their rankings, and for the other guys on their team. So before we get to your tight ends, since they're not really like, you know, Kyle Pitts types, right? Um, No. I need to get your breakdown of A.J. Brown, Hollywood Brown, what it means for them what it means for the Eagles and Cardinals, what it means for the Titans and Ravens. Yeah, so, okay, let's uh, let's start with the A.J. Brown trade. First and foremost, um, Ross, when you were watching the draft, um, how much did this surprise you, like this trade? I, I, I mean... Can, uh, it seemingly came out of nowhere. Now, like, to be fair... I think I was on the air for PhiladelphiaEagles.com talking about the Jordan Davis pick that they had just traded for. Mm-hmm. And I see at the bottom of the screen, Eagles traded the 18th pick for A.J. Brown. And we were all like, what? And it it cut down on my airtime because I was supposed to be on after every pick. Well, they only made one pick because the other pick was A.J. Brown. Well, I mean, that's a heck of a draft pick, right? They traded the pick that becomes A.J. Brown uh, for a, and Tennessee drafts a guy, and I, we'll get to the Tennessee angle. I think we talked about Traylon Burks last week. Uh, it be, uh, Tennessee drafts a guy who, uh, if, if, if everything works out, can become A.J. Brown. And I like Traylon Burks as a prospect, and this is nothing against him. But this is a huge, huge trade for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, we know, we said it on the podcast last week, or uh, uh, we've said it on the podcast a number of times, The Eagles did not want to play the way they played in 2021. They were the run-heaviest team in football, 51.2% runs. Now, there were multiple reasons for that. I think, first and foremost, 
Jalen Hurts' struggles as a passer were evident when they came out throwing the way they did the first month of the season at an extremely pass-heavy rate. But also, to be fair to Jalen Hurts, they had one viable NFL wide receiver, really, in, in Devontae Smith. That's about it. And Quez Watkins is a good player, but he's a certain kind of player. Um, and uh, now the Eagles make this trade for A.J. Brown. They bring in Zach Pascal, who, you know, he's a three or a four, but he's a, and a professional receiver. They want to throw the ball more. So here's the thing, though. Here is what has happened. I'm looking at best ball ADP from NFFC, best ball 10s. Over the past two weeks, A.J. Brown is now coming off the board as the wide receiver 13 end of third round because people anticipate that A.J. Brown is going to take a step back in Philadelphia. And I think that's fair. For all his struggles, Ryan Tannehill has shown himself to be a better passer at the NFL level than Jalen Hurts. But I want to consider this. So I looked at this and I said, is there something that maybe people are missing? Oh, my God, A.J. Brown's going to the Eagles. They were the run-heaviest team in football, and Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball, and blah, blah, blah. Well, I went back to 2020. And I went back to 2020 because that was really the, the Titans' offense at its apex. You had A.J. Brown and you had Corey Davis at wide receiver. You had Derrick Henry running for 2,000 yards, okay? So that was a run-heavy offense. As a matter of fact, in 2020 – the Tennessee Titans were the third run heaviest team in all of football, 50.5% behind only Lamar Jackson's Ravens and Cam Newton's Patriots. You remember how terrible Newton's receivers were with the Patriots that year. So the Titans were the third run heaviest team in all of football in 2020. They had a 2,000 yard back who won um, the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Okay. So AJ Brown was in that environment. So here's what happened in that environment, in 14 games, he missed two games. A.J. Brown still put up 70 catches for 1,075 yards in 11 touchdowns on 106 targets. That's in 14 games. Despite Corey Davis also having 92 targets. So A.J. Brown on a total target share basis, and remember he missed two games, 22.6% target share to 19.7% for Corey Davis. Both guys ended up missing two games. Despite A.J. Brown missing two games... He was the overall wide receiver 14 in total fantasy points and the overall, excuse me, the wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game. So he was a hammer wide receiver one when he was active. Um, and he did this in the environment in which Derrick Henry ran for over 2000 yards. Meanwhile, Corey Davis was the overall wide receiver 30. So the Titans had two top 30 wide receivers, despite being in the third run heaviest offense in all of football. Moreover, in 2020, the Titans tight ends, Jonu Smith and Anthony Ferkser combined for 118 targets. That's more targets than A.J. Brown had. So if you look at the Eagle offense, you can say, okay, who are the top three pass catchers in this offense? A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. In Tennessee's offense in 2020, in which Ryan Tannehill was the overall quarterback seven, they had a 2,000-yard rusher, and the Eagles are not going to have that, by the way. Barring Miles Sanders uh, doing something that would probably get him suspended, he is not running for 2,000 yards this year. I think the Eagles want to throw the ball more than 50% of the time. So I actually think the Eagles are going to pull back on that run. I don't think they're going to be as run-heavy as the Titans were in 2020. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, hmm. A.J. Brown, with the with an ADP right now of wide receiver 13, 
I'm looking at Devontae Smith with an ADP of wide receiver 39 over the last two weeks. And I'm starting to wonder if there might be a little bit of value here. Now, this all the, the conversation all comes back to Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts, his ADP right now, well, he's sit, he is sitting at hold on. I oh I uh well let's just say it's really high. He's sitting at quarterback eleven, which is ridiculous. That should be way higher than that in the uh, NFFC. Um Jalen Hurts' ceiling is much higher now. We know for a good portion of last season, Jalen Hurts was the overall quarterback one. And then he got hurt, and then the passing struggles happened, but he was the quarterback one. We know that's in his range of outcomes. Ryan Tannehill, who doesn't run as much as Jalen Hurts, was the overall quarterback seven in that offense. So what this move does to me is it raises the floor of Jalen Jalen Hurts and significantly raises his ceiling, but it also shortens his leash. Because if he cannot, if he cannot execute in this environment, I think there's a chance the Eagles pull the plug. Now, I'm still drafting Jalen Hurts extremely aggressively. I think our listeners should draft him extremely aggressively. Because I look at this offense and I look at what he is doing, in uh, what, what A.J. Brown did in a similar environment, and thinking there's no reason to think he can't produce. So I am looking at A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith less so Brown, more so Smith, as potential values for fantasy right now based on their ADPs. Devontae Smith has collapsed his ADP because they think, well, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts are boys and Hurts is going to throw him the ball a lot, and I think that's true. I think A.J. Brown is a perfect fit for what the Eagles want to do with the RPO and the bank playing act, play action game. But overall, I mean, I think A.J. Brown can come into this environment and produce. And if Jalen Hurts takes a step forward, I mean, this team could score a lot of points. That's a big if. But as we're sitting here on May 11th, we are still having the same conversation about Jalen Hurts that we had last May when we knew the Eagles had multiple first-round picks in the 2022 NFL draft. They have multiple in the 2023. The best outcome for the Philadelphia Eagles is not trading those first-round picks for a quarterback, whether through the draft or on the veteran market. The best outcome is Jalen Hurts playing well, and the Eagles can then use those picks to supplement their roster around Jalen Hurts. That's the best outcome for the Eagles. They are putting him in the environment to do that. This is the, this is a move that made sense on so many levels. And I mean, just from a pure football standpoint, sorry, Roth, I know I'm going off on a soliloquy here. Um, you look at the Eagles offseason. They tried to trade for Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley was making bets. They tried to sign Allen Robinson. They tried to sign Juju Smith-Schuster. They tried to sign Christian Kirk. They weren't even in the market for Tyreek Hill. They weren't even in the market for Devontae Adams. And if you were to ask Eagle fans all those names and then threw A.J. Brown's name in there, they'd probably come back and say overwhelmingly, yeah, Brown is the guy I'd want out of that group based on age, style of play, and they got him. Sometimes the best moves are the ones you don't make. No question about that, Joe. Um, what about Hollywood Brown in Arizona? Well, we got um, – this This is a multiple-layer kind of discussion to have here because we have to talk about DeAndre Hopkins, who's going to miss six games, and obviously he had the injury last year. So – Let's start with the Cardinals who are still there. Kyler Murray, 26.3 fantasy points per game 
over the two seasons he's had DeAndre Hopkins in games with Hopkins, 21.0 in games without DeAndre Hopkins. In other words, if you want to translate that to fantasy points or uh, for fantasy positioning, he would have been last year the overall quarterback one with DeAndre Hopkins and the quarterback 10 without DeAndre Hopkins. So a significant downgrade for Kyler Murray. Now, we also have to keep in mind Kyler Murray was dealing with injuries and Kyler Murray was also uh, was also missing some games that DeAndre Hopkins missed. So just so keep that in mind. But I'm just throwing it out there that uh, DeAndre Hopkins was a huge influence on Kyler Murray's fantasy production over the last two seasons. Antoine Wesley, Cliff Kingsbury's boy, he averaged 4.4 targets per game without DeAndre Hopkins. He barely played in games DeAndre Hopkins was active. But here's the kicker. A.J. Green was actually better with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup than without. He averaged 11.3 fantasy points per game with him and 7.8 fantasy points per game without him, despite averaging more targets per game without. A.J. Green, without DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup, averaged 6.5 targets per game. He averaged 5.7 targets per game with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup. But without DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup, A.J. Green was essentially being targeted as their top receiver, and he couldn't handle it. He reverted back to being that awful end-of-career version in Cincinnati, that inefficient version of A.J. Green that that, uh, unfortunately winded down his illustrious career in Cincinnati. So he was better with Hopkins in the lineup. Rondale Moore, also better with Hopkins in the lineup. 8.6 fantasy points per game with him to 7.7 without him, despite more targets, 5.75 without to 4.3 with, and receptions per game, 5.25 without Hopkins to 3.3 with. That's a function of touchdowns, but it shows you what kind of influence DeAndre Hopkins had on this offense. Now, the guy who really kind of came into his own without DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup was Zach Ertz, who averaged in, in uh, and now, I mean, he's also played with the Philadelphia Eagles over this span, but he averaged 8.75 fantasy points per game last year with DeAndre Hopkins, and he averaged 11.3 without him. So I think Zach Ertz is one of the guys who's going to get the big boost here. Now, the big difference is they have Hollywood Brown last year. Russ, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Among all players last year, where do you think Hollywood Brown ranked in targets? Among all players, Hollywood Brown targets 60th. He was 10th. What? 10th in total targets last year. Hollywood Brown? Ninth ninth among wide receivers and 10th overall. The only tight end who had more targets than Hollywood Brown was Mark Andrews. That's it. So he's coming from now. The funny part is he's coming to this Arizona offense and he's like, Oh, this, this Baltimore offense, this run heavy stuff isn't, doesn't suit me, dude. You had 146 targets last year. So, Hey, it's his boy. Arizona scouted a hell of a lot of Hollywood Brown because when Kyler Murray was the number one overall pick, Hollywood Brown was his top receiver at Oklahoma was also a first round pick that year. So he's going to come in here. And I think he's going to produce. And his ADP has risen to a pretty uh, high level. Uh, Wide receiver 21 right now, and I expect that's going to keep going up. And I think it's a fair price to pay. 
Um, he's not going to get. He's not going to get that many targets in Arizona. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they want him to. Um, maybe he becomes more of the downfield threat. And you know, when they first made the trade, I'm like, oh, this is great because Hollywood Brown's going to be able to play Z. He's going to be able to play off of DeAndre Hopkins, and they're going to move him around. And he might not get as many targets, but they're going to be better targets now. He's their number one receiver for at least six games. So. Now, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. If his ADP hovers right around wide receiver 20, that's a buying opportunity for me. I don't think it will. I think it's going to be super – it's going to end up being higher than that. So right now, I'm kind of Hollywood agnostic. Um, I'm not out. I'm not in. Um, DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> – uh, Like I, here's the thing. I'm, I'll just let somebody else draft DeAndre Hopkins. There's going to be a point where somebody in the seventh or eighth round is like, oh, yeah, you know. You know, he's going to come back. Well, he wasn't all that great when he was out there last year. I know he was dealing with injuries, but I'll just let somebody else draft DeAndre Hopkins. Otherwise, I'm going into the double-digit rounds, and I'll and I'll take little shares of Rondale Moore. Maybe he's better than he was last year. I'll take some 16th-round flyers on A.J. Green. Antoine Wesley in the deep, deep depths. That that That's the dark web of fantasy football, by the way, when you're drafting Antoine Wesley. There's some there's some really gruesome stuff out there, and drafting Antoine Wesley is one of those things. So we didn't really talk, Joe. And by the way, I don't know that we're going to get to the dynasty tight end grade. Yeah, we can today. do that next week too. Yeah, yeah we might not get that because I got other questions. You didn't really dive in to the aftermath in Tennessee and the aftermath in Baltimore. I have absolutely nuclear vibes on Tennessee right now. Like they're bad. Uh, I, I, they they didn't replace Tannehill, but they kind of did with Malik Willis falling down the boards. Derrick Henry is still a first round pick, and he's definitely going to be their go to guy. I mean, if you look at their wide receiver group, I mean, I here's a question I posed on the podcast. Back after free agency, they traded for Robert Woods. And my question was, would you rather draft Robert Woods or Russell Gage? Two wide receivers who have changed teams this offseason. And Robert Woods, this was before they traded, by the way, A.J. Brown. So it would have been Robert, so it would have been Robert Woods as the wide receiver two on Tennessee. Or Russell Gage as the wide receiver three in Tampa. And I put a Twitter poll out there, and it was virtually 50-50. And my contention was I'd rather draft Russell Gage all day long than draft Robert Woods on the wrong side of 30 coming off a torn ACL and a run-heavy offense. And that was before they traded A.J. Brown. Well, I'm looking at ADP over the last two weeks on best ball tens. Russell Gage is wide receiver 44. Robert Woods is wide receiver 45. So they are back-to-back, and I think it's really funny how that's worked out. And now I think there's more pressure on Robert Woods because as as much as I like Traylon Burks, he is coming in, and he's going to be asked, essentially, by the fans in Tennessee to be A.J. Brown, and that is so unfair. It's going to be very unfair for Traylon Burks. He is not going to produce at the level that uh, A.J. Brown was able to produce Uh, As a rookie, his ADP wide receiver 37, totally fair. I'll buy it there. I'd rather have Burks than Robert Woods because of Robert Woods coming off the injury. The one guy who I want uh, dynasty players to keep an eye on, even hell, even redraft fantasy players, their fifth round pick was a wide receiver out of UCLA by the name of Kyle Phillips. 
their wide receiver depth chart beyond Burks and Woods, and obviously both of those guys have questions. One's a rookie, one's coming off an ACL tear. Their depth chart at wide receiver is abominable. I think Kyle Phillips is going to play in the slot, and I think he's going to do it from day one for them. So just a name to keep an eye on. But Tennessee's vibes right now, bad, bad, bad. They traded They traded a guy who was beloved in the locker room, super competitive. You saw Mike Vrabel get up and kind of storm out of the room. Even if he knew it was coming, it was probably a bad moment for him losing A.J. Brown. So Tennessee, I'm not really thrilled about their vibes right now. The Ravens? Um. So where do all those targets go? Well, I mean, the the, the simple answer is this: Rashad Bateman. I mean, I, he had some injuries last year, but Rashad Bateman's a guy I'm willing to start drafting around the fifth and sixth round, and I think Rashad Bateman has a huge breakout opportunity coming. Mark Andrews, this now solidifies him as a second round pick for fantasy. He was a fantasy MVP for a lot of people last year. He produced even when Lamar Jackson was out of the lineup. Mark Andrews is going to be the number one target in Baltimore. We know that. And I think you can make a salient argument that he should be drafted before Travis Kelsey. I really Now, the, the, the thing that makes that difficult is Kelsey and Kyle Pitts, the other two top three fantasy tight ends, also lost their top target competition this offseason. Uh, Kelsey lost Tyreek Hill. Kyle Pitts lost... Uh, lost Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. He lost both of those guys. The difference is Kansas City went out, signed Valdez Scantling, signed Juju. They draft Sky Moore. Atlanta goes out, gets Drake London. And Andrews, they kind of didn't do anything at wide receiver. Now they drafted two tight ends. They drafted um, uh, Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely. I think Kohler's got a really good shot to get on the field, and I think they're going to play a lot of 12 personnel. But Andrews really just lost target competition, didn't really add any. So I think this is fascinating. And two guys to look at at the back end of that depth chart, and certainly something we're going to have to monitor in training camp this year, What is uh, what are the chances that Devin DuVernay or a forgotten man, 2021 fourth-round pick Tylen Wallace, can step up for the Baltimore Ravens? Because they need somebody to step up uh, on the perimeter at wide receiver, James Prochet is not that guy he can't run. So I want to see if Devin DuVernay and Tylen Wallace can do something to step up. Those guys are essentially free in best ball right now. Certainly two names that you can add as like your wide receiver seven or eight and think, hey, there's a chance that those guys get a heck of a lot of opportunity. It's interesting because Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast today just talked about the acquisition and signing Mike Davis and how even more evidence that the Ravens, in his oh, mind, sure. might even might even run the ball, get back to running even more this year. Well, at, from my perspective, now look, Mike Davis is a body, and you know that's something that you know they needed to do last year. Like their run game was Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman last year, so Mike Davis kind of fits that. Uh, when I when I saw this signing, I was kind of thinking this is good news for J.K. Dobbins. Because Mike da- Mike Davis was unseated by a wide receiver last year, which is I mean that's a testament to Cordero Patterson. But this is not this is not a signing where I'm like oh my god J.K. Dobbins what's going to happen? They barely did anything at running back. Mike Davis is a guy, and he can produce in the right situation, and this could well be the right situation. But he's a guy. They drafted uh, Tyler Beatty, who might play the J- the Justice Hill role that Justice Hill never played. 
Um, I think this is good news for J.K. Dobbins. I'm, I am buying J.K. Dobbins as a fourth-round pick. I am. I, I think I agree with Greg's assessment. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think Bateman and Andrews are going to be the top two targets. And I think this is probably good news for J.K. Dobbins. I, it, it might hurt a lot of people to draft a guy coming off a torn ACL who's never carried the load for a full season in the fourth round, but that's probably the price you're going to have to pay given the opportunity he has to carry this offense. Lastly, Joe, uh, Sony Michelle yeah. to Miami. Crowded backfield down there now. Yeah, crowded backfield. Um, and the thing that I like is I don't think any of them are going to be overly expensive. I, when they first signed Michelle, I was sitting here thinking, oh, God, that backfield is awful. And then within like five minutes, I almost talked myself into Michelle being my favorite guy to draft to that backfield. Because like I think there's a chance. Look, Raheem Mostert is – is held together by bubble paper. So I'm, I'm looking at the backfield and I'm like, okay, let's just say whatever happens to Raheem Mostert that happens every year happens. Chase Edmonds probably isn't that guy. Like he's more of a third down scat back type of guy. Like who's to say Sony Michelle is like a 16th, 17th round pick doesn't fall into the end zone five or six times. He had a good year last year with the Rams. So yeah, I think Sony Michelle can be a guy you add at the back end of your roster. And on the other hand, this muddies up the rest of that backfield. I just got Chase Edmonds in the 10th round of a best ball draft. I'll take that. It's better than paying a sixth round price for him. So, yeah, I mean, that uh, it actually has given me some almost some buying opportunities in a backfield where I didn't think I was going to be buying at all. So I was okay with the Sony Michelle signing. I'll draft. I'm probably staying away from Mostert. Maybe that comes back to bite me. It hasn't in the past, but yeah, um, I, I think I'll be buying on uh, on this Miami backfield, depending on how ADP shakes out. I'm buying on fantasypoints.com using the code 22 feast. I'm buying on Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan. I lied to you earlier in the episode. I said we would get to Joe's dynasty rankings for tight ends. I meant next week. And maybe we'll include the quarterbacks as well in the dynasty rankings as we roll on here with some of the post-draft fallout on the Fantasy Feast podcast. It's best ball season. It's dynasty season. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.